welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. The last couple of Sundays, we've been exploring some of the gifts as we as God's people learn to live in and by the Spirit. We've been looking at some of the gifts that God gives to us being His church. A couple of weeks ago, we heard from Pastor Allison, who spoke on the motivational gifts, spoken from Romans chapter 12. That was a great message. Uh, Last Sunday, I spoke from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 on the manifestation gifts, the gifts of the Spirit. And today, I'll be talking about the fivefold gifts, Ephesians chapter 4, which is the gifts of the Son, or the ministry gifts. Okay, now, from time to time as a church, it's important for us to revisit some of these because we often forget that gifts are there that God has given to us, his church. And we've got to keep looking at this, maybe from a different perspective or through a different lens or even provide as a different, uh, as a reminder for who God is, why he does what he does and how we can work together in this. So today we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to talk about the ministry gifts mentioned there. And I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. If you come with me, it'll be up on the screens. Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to start from verse 4, and then we'll go to around about verse 13 or 14. Are you ready to do that with us together? Okay, let's go. Ephesians chapter 4. Now, um, Paul writes this to a group of Christians, and these are not, they're not Christian leaders, they're just Christians. They're just followers of Jesus. They're people like you and I. This isn't just to a table of, um, of church heads or leaders, they're lay people, and, and Paul is writing to uh, inform, encourage, and inspire these people. And this is how it starts in verse 4. It says, Paul writes, For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all, in all, and living through all. So what, what's the illusion there? It's, he's pointing to oneness, right? This is really important for us, oneness. If there's ever a time in the body where we've got to recognize and esteem and champion oneness, it's now. So much division in the church. So much. It's ridiculous. We're going to believe different things. Yeah, fine. But who unites us is more important than what divides us. And so we're all one in him, and our oneness comes from being in Christ. He goes on to say, however, He has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That's why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Verse 9. Notice that it says he ascended, talking about Jesus. Jesus ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world and the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. I could just stop right there. I love that. But then it says this. Now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. The apostles... The prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge 
of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. I love that. So we read on. Then we will no longer be immature like children. Don't look at your neighbor. Don't look at your neighbor when we're talking about immaturity, okay? That's no one in this room is immature. That's the Christians down the road, right? That's, that's no one here, right? Okay, no, we're all mature saints. <laughs> no. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Let's go to verse 15. Instead, we'll speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. That's such a great passage. There are three things I want to just identify if I can. That's such a rich passage. Before we start talking about these five gifts that were mentioned, the five-fold ministry gifts that are provided to the church, just a few things from verse 11, verse 12, and verse 13 forward. It says in verse 11, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. So let's take a pause for a second. Let's read that carefully. It's not that... um, Apostleship was gifts or evangelism was gifts. The people are the gifts. They are the gifts. The people are the gifts to the church. The people are the gifts to us. The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher. Christ Jesus gave those offices, those offices, those ministers, those people holding those roles, those people are the gifts to the church, not just what they bring. Just like I am a father to my beautiful, boisterous, excitable, expensive daughters, it's not just what I give to them that is the gift, it's who I am is the gift to them. Like David Milner as a father to his sons, it's not just what he gives to them, it's who he is. Sandra Lynch, it's not just what you provide, it's who you are that's a gift to your children. In the same way, in God's family, these people are the gifts to the church. And have a guess what? People that call themselves the prophets or prophets, uh, 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 pastors, teachers, evangelists, oh, I want that role. No. Do you know what that means? That means you are giving up your life to the body. That means more sacrifice for you, my friend. Fathers and mothers know that. It's a continual dying process. And you find yourself as you sacrifice. So Christ Jesus ascended and the gifts of the Son were those five offices given to the church. So the first point there for us is the people are the gifts to us, but their purpose is to equip us, is your next point. Their purpose is to equip us for the work of the ministry, which means it's not their role to do the work of the ministry. Their role... Their purpose is to equip us for the work of the ministry, which means we've got to do some work. 
Hello? <laughs> I don't know that one. I don't like that one. Just skip over that. No, that's someone else's job. Don't we pay someone to do that for us? Can't we just go to a church community where we can just blend in and do nothing and just look at the screens and see all the great things that the church is doing and then we feel safe and comfortable because my church that I belong to is doing all that, but me, no, I'm just living my own life. Well, it's gotten quiet again. (laughs) Sometimes we can do that. You know that, don't you? We go to places, have relationships, we go to church communities and then we do absolutely zip all, lull ourselves into a false sense of security because we know of someone or we know of a leader or a pastor or a ministry that's doing all the work but we're not behaving like Christians. We're behaving like our next door neighbours. I better move on. I'm upsetting a few people. So the purpose of these, these, these roles, these gifts is to equip us for the work of the ministry we've got some work to do all of us you can nudge your neighbor if you want hey he's talking to you right now (laughs) their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church the body of Christ and it says verse 13 this will continue this will keep happening it will go on until when until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ what does that tell us about God it tells us that God's plan is maturity for us what does he want for you he wants maturity he wants you to grow up Well, what does that look like? That's not just get old. That's to become more like Jesus. Just because you're getting older doesn't necessarily mean you're becoming more mature. It doesn't mean you're growing in wisdom. You can be an old fool. Just because you're older doesn't mean you're more like Christ. You can be young and be like Christ. See, I'm losing some friends today. I I I can see it. God's purpose, his plan, his destination for you is not just heaven. It's Christ-likeness. He has predestined you to be conformed to the image of Jesus. And that ain't an easy path in the flesh, let me tell you. It's only the Holy Spirit that can help you do that. And he's got to knock off some kind of rough edges off you from time to time. He's got to take you through the trenches. He'll soften you up. And he wants the humility of Christ to ooze from you. Anyone here this morning, you're like, yeah, that's, that, that's me. He's dragging me through some dirt at the moment. But he loves me too much to leave me on the sidelines he loves you as you are and he loves you so much that he won't leave you that way so God gifts his church his family with the apostle the prophet the evangelist the pastor the teacher he gifts us these offices to equip us because his plan is maturity in us and I wonder if sometimes we just miss it let's show a just a show of hands if we can if you love listening to 
great evangelists, let's say online. Great evangelists. What about if you just you, you love getting into strong teachers and the deep Greek and the oh yes, oh I love that. What about the prophets? How many people love the prophets? Oh yes, look at all you holy people. Right. So we naturally have these proclivities that are attracted to certain offices. But if all we do is we are attracted to certain offices, we are only having a one dimensional approach to our maturity hello okay i'll give you an example gary um give me uh let's let's give me that give me that hammer would you <laughs> which of the fivefold do you think the hammer might be who should we go with <laughs> gee prophet that wasn't too hard <laughs> the poor prophets I'm not saying it's the prophet. Some of you said it was the prophet. That's more like the hammer, right? If all I held in my hand was a hammer, what does everything look like to me? A nail. And everything's got to be bashed. I've got to fix this. In, you've got to sort this out. And if all I ever do in me is go for that gifting and I miss out on all the other gifts, I'm going to have a bit of a mess. But then who, who's going to do the cleaning up? The pastor, let's sweep it up. The pastor, the, the prophet's like, oh, please, give me a break. We're sweeping up all day. We're going to beat someone into submission so they become like Jesus. No, they're not saying that. I'm being facetious. But you see, there has got to be a multidimensional approach to our growth and development. And you know what's interesting? With these fivefold, you know, who, who gave these gifts? More specifically, Jesus, when he ascended, right? Who is the chief apostle? Who is the, who is the key evangelist who came to seek and save that which is lost? <laughs> who is the prophet from Nazareth? It's Jesus, right? Who's the great shepherd? That's the great pastor. Who's the great teacher where uh, he himself says, for you have one teacher who is Christ. There's only one teacher. So these gifts are an expression of Jesus Christ himself. The danger that we fall into is we look to man or these officers instead of looking at Jesus. And it's so huge. Jesus is so wonderful that he is all five of these. And an expression of himself is imparted to the church for our equipping, for our maturity. So look to Jesus, not a man or a woman, look to Jesus. Every gift will tell you something about the giver of that gift. And so we'll see as we go through these, that for each of these gifts to the church, it tells us something about God. Let's look at... The apostle. The apostle. So let's go through this again. We have the apostle, then we have the prophet, then we have the evangelist, then we have the pastor, and then we have the teacher. I'm using my hand. I'm using my left hand. I've done this um, demonstration a number of years ago. I'm going to do it again. Pull out your hand, would you? Pull out your left hand. Your left hand. That's your right hand. Yeah, pull out your left hand. That's good. Yeah, your other left. (laughs) So 
So your thumb, your thumb, this is a reminder for me, your thumb is like the apostle. The apostle touches all fingers and can also help bring grip, the apostle. That's how you can remember the apostle. Then you've got the pointer finger. What is the pointer? That's the prophet. Directs, right? Prophets sometimes do this, don't they? Prophets are getting a bad rap this morning. The middle one can be like the evangelist. It's the one with the furthest reach. Then we have the ring finger. My daughter Grace, when I think she was four, she lost my wedding ring. She's probably sold it on Facebook Marketplace or something by now. So the ring finger represents the pastor who is married to the flock. We have the little pinky who brings balance, the teacher. So we have the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. Let's start off and talk about the apostle. Are you ready? The apostle. Apostles. What do apostles do? Very simply, apostles govern. Everyone say that with me. Govern. They govern. The apostles in the New Testament were the ones that were sent. They were sent to establish and then oversee. They were there to govern. Apostles have an anointing to establish, oversee, and exercise godly authority over his church. They equip God's people to establish and extend his kingdom in all spheres of society. That's what apostles do. An apostle casts God's vision and keeps it burning before the churches and ministries that they oversee. They recognize, raise up, and release fivefold ministers into ministry. And apostles, you'll see, they tend to be spiritual mothers or fathers with a governing authority and an anointing, particularly to regions, sometimes nations, as Christ appropriates. What does the office of the apostle tell us about God? If, if God grants the apostle for the establishment and the oversight, the governing of God's church, what does it tell us about God? Well, God cares about order. He cares about authority. In fact, do you know that he is attracted to messes and disorder? <laughs> Maybe this morning you'll go, I am such a mess. I am a hot mess. There's no God here. God is attracted to that. God cares about order. He cares about authority. He is a God of order. And if you're feeling like, my life's up, feels like it's up the creek without a paddle, God cares. He really does. He cares. He cares that not just for the church, but for us personally. God cares. Let's look at biblical examples. Give me, a, give me a biblical example. Someone from the Bible that we know of that is an apostle. Who's, who's an apostle? Paul. Okay, great. He's an apostle. He identifies himself as an apostle. Great. And we have, um, uh, what, what, what might someone with an apostolic function look like today? A, a modern type of apostle. Though with all of these, they're very different today than what they were back then. There is still, God still grants apostolic function to his church. I, I can't talk about this without recognizing Pastor David Storer, uh, who 
uh, has pastored a number of churches, particularly Perth Christian Life Centre, which is now in Canningvale. He now works with uh, Mark Varaghese. And Pastor David Storer is, is seen and accepted as someone that kind of fits this mould, Pastor David Storer. In fact, people recognise him overseas as someone that holds that role. I kind of also can't help but um, uh, not talk about Pastor Bob Stevenson, who has been sent to plant many churches around the world. He was the senior pastor here a couple of generations ago. You'll see him. He's, um, he's, though he's a little bit more further along in life, to me, I still see him as someone that holds that. Some of the stuff he said and done, some of the miracles are absolutely incredible. I really appreciate him for giving up his life the way that he has for God's church. The second thing, the second office is prophets. If apostles govern, what do prophets do? Prophets guide. Prophets guide. Prophets are the ones who are kind of like the ears, the eyes and the mouth um, at times. They have an anointing to communicate insight and foresight to God's people. This is different from... um, The gift of prophecy, this is someone that holds the office of the prophet. They are people given to God's church that can bring insight into what's happening. Not just in your life, we're not just talking about fortune telling, we're not just talking about what is God doing today? What's he doing in this region? And what's to come? So insight and foresight, that's God grants prophets to his church for that function. They equip God's people to connect with God, to see into the spiritual realm, and to speak directive words that are transformative. If you've ever heard a prophet move in their unction, move in their anointing, when they speak, something happens. Something shifts around in you. That's how you know you are under the anointing of the Holy Spirit as a prophet ministers. Something gets shuffled around in your spirit. And it's a little bit messy sometimes. It just, oh, I don't know how that feels. but That's a prophet flowing. They encourage, they can guide, they can correct, and they can rebuke. Anyone sat under a prophet and they felt like they've been hammered? <laughs> a loving smack? Awkward laughter. Prophets also impart supernatural power and gifts for ministry. We have that precedent in the New Testament. They often work alongside apostles to bring the balance between vision and direction. And the establishment of churches, you'll see that happen in the New Testament. What does it tell us about God? Why why did he give prophets that do this? What does it tell us about God? What does God care about? He cares about revealing his heart and his plans to you. Do you know he cares about showing you his heart? Do you know he cares about showing you his plans? He really does. If you're here this morning and you feel, I haven't, I haven't got a clue what's going on in my life. I haven't got a clue what's to come. You need to know something. We serve a God who cares about you enough to reveal this to you. So ask him. I dare you. Ask him. Can anyone think of any prophets from the Bible? 
Samuel, that's an Old Testament one. That's good. How about a New Testament one? Judas, great. Yep. I heard John the Baptist over here. Some um, people that are recognized as prophets. Uh, Corey Turner. I would say he's a prophet. We've had a minister here before. Anyone heard of uh, Russell Sage? Some might call him a prophetic evangelist. Um, these prophets do make a bit of a mess from time to time. <laughs> so prophets sometimes, that's all right, we've got pastors to clean up. <laughs> so apostles govern, prophets guide, evangelists, they gather. Evangelists gather. Evangelists have an anointing to proclaim the gospel with clarity and conviction. Have you ever heard an evangelist speak with such conviction and clarity? Oh my goodness, they did that so well. Well, their role is not just to win the lost. It's to equip us to win the lost. Oops. Evangelists equip God's people to share the gospel in a way that bridges heaven and earth, which is why a lot of the time when evangelists flow in their unction or their anointing, signs and wonders follow. They do. They just often follow. They impart passion to individuals, to churches, and to ministries to share the gospel. They impart power to bring conviction and break the bondages of sin and manifest with healings, miracles. That often happens. What does it tell us about God? It tells us that God cares about people personally knowing Him in powerful ways. God really does care about us knowing Him personally. Not just from afar, but personally. And in ways that are, that, that, that are profound and that are powerful. Who can think of an evangelist from the Bible, a New Testament evangelist? Philip, great. Philip was an evangelist that we read about in the New Testament. An evangelist, I believe, might be Brett Gaffney. We heard him call out Philip. That was you that said Philip, wasn't it? There it is. The evangelist knows his own kind. We also have Tom Locker. Have you noticed when these guys minister... There is a passion to them. There is a conviction about winning the loss at whatever the cost. And signs and wonders often do follow. Because God honors faith. And we might also put in that category on the same level of Reinhard Bonnke. Remember Reinhard Bonnke? I see a blood-washed Africa. The late, great Reinhard Bonnke. So, we have... Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors. What do pastors do? Pastors guard. They guard. Pastors have an anointing to tend to and take care of God's people well. They have an anointing to tend to and take care of God's people well. And in fact, the pastor is often synonymous with elder, overseer or shepherd. Pastor will equip God's people to love them in a way that is genuine and practical and connects them to God. 
I think what's unfortunate about this conversation around pastors is a lot of the time, I think personally, that churches have become too pastor focus. Think about it. Pastor this person, pastor, oh, you're pastor, 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 pastor. And I think we become too pastor-centric. That's coming from a pastor. But God hasn't just given pastors for the church. There are fivefold, fivefold, not onefold, fivefold. So may we pursue the blessing of all of those offices. Pastor supernaturally draws people to themselves for counsel, support and love and connects them to God. A pastor will impart the desire to nurture and encourage the body of Christ. A pastor can impart supernatural healing to the emotionally and spiritually wounded. What does it tell us about God? God cares about your well-being and your maturity. He cares that you're well looked after. He cares about that. In 1 Peter 1, we read about Peter, who's also an apostle, functioning as a pastor. Timothy also was a pastor. Pastoral people that we may be familiar with in our church, I always think about Pastor Alison Pendergrast. Oh my goodness. When I see her pastor and love on people, I question whether I actually like people. I just think, mate, she really loves people. I watch her minister and the patience she has, and I'm like, I'm quitting right now. I, what am I even doing here? Alison Pendergrass. How many people have been on the receiving end of some of those loving times? Oh man, alive. She is such a blessing. Pastor Danny Guglamucci, we've had a minister here before. He's just, he talks and he weeps and then I weep and I'm broken. I'm like, oh, <laughs> he loves people. He, he's such a great pastor. He's such a great pastor. Final one is teachers. What do teachers do? Teachers ground. Teachers ground. They ground. They have an anointing to feed and instruct God's people well. That's their heart. To feed and instruct God's people well. They equip God's people to clearly know and expound on God and His Word. Teaching um, is also seen of as a motivational gift from Romans chapter 12. But we're talking about the office here. A teacher encourages understanding and the ability to divide truth from error or deception to the body of Christ. It's one great blessing that the office of the teacher brings to help us know that's rubbish. This is biblical. That's what a teacher does. We need them. A teacher supernaturally brings God's truth to Christians through speech, written word, and lifestyle. And they train and equip others to lead the body of Christ. What does that tell us? What does the office of the teacher tell us about God? Well, God cares about you knowing and believing the truth. Do you know he cares about you believing what's true? You're going to have a million and one things going through your head. You're going to think so many things. Just because you think about it doesn't mean you have to believe it. That's a word for someone. Just because you think it doesn't mean you have to believe it. God cares about you actually believing what's true. Teachers help God's body 
to discern what's right and what's not. Any thought of teachers in the New Testament? Apollos is an example. Apollos, Acts 18, 25 refers to that. In our church, I always think about Scott Jones. I love how he teaches. He's got such a great teacher. David Jeremiah, someone I know that many of us listen to as great teachers. I like this guy Charles Spurgeon from a little while ago. I think he's a fantastic teacher. So we have apostles who govern. We have prophets who guide. We have evangelists who gather. We have pastors who guard. And we have teachers who ground. Very good. What do I do with this? So what? What do I do with that information? Well, here are three take-homes you can have for free. You can have for free and then you can go sell it. What do I do with this? First thing, be thankful. Be thankful. First thing we do is give thanks that God has a five-fold strategic plan for his church. For us to become like Jesus, we need access to all facets, to the full realm. You can't just feed on one to the exclusion of others. Do you know how lopsided would be? Can you imagine if, um, if all we did was we focused on the prophetic? Oh, I've got to do this now, and God told me to do that. And the pastors are like, hey, we've got to love on people. We've got to secure them. We've got to, we've got to protect them from that. Prophets are like, you've been loving on each other for 10 years now. Come on, get going. Well, you have evangelists and you have teachers. Evangelists are like, let's get going and win the lost. Teachers are like, hey, you've got to preach what's true first. Do you even know what you're going to say? Your, 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 your theology's all wrong. We need each other. We all need each other. We're going to think differently. You will think differently to the person sitting next to you. Amen or ouch in marriage. You think different to the person you're married to. But let's celebrate that. And that's the second thing. The second thing we can do other than be thankful is we appreciate diversity. Let the various people gifts be who God intended them to be. Don't put them in a box. Just let them be them. They're going to be different. And that's okay. Just because you think differently doesn't make them wrong and you right. We're just different. Along the way, sometimes we'll be wrong. But let people be people. So be thankful. Appreciate diversity. The final thing. Um, and some of you, if you take a note, you need to write this down. Grow up. <laughs> if you're not taking notes, write this down. Grow up. <laughs> Grow up. Grow up. God's plan for you and for me and for his church is that we would grow that we would become like Jesus, that we would be complete, lacking nothing, that we would be perfect, another version says. Not perfect as in, as in free from any mistakes we make, but perfect and complete in our love and our disposition. Amen. May we grow up. 
And here's, here's some homework for everyone in this room. If you're perhaps streaming from home, here's some homework. Expose yourself to one or more of the five folds that rubs you up the wrong way. I don't like that one. Do it. Expose yourself to that ministry or ministries that rub you up the wrong way. I'm not saying go and find something that's erroneous or biblically untrue. or Just they have a different perspective. They have a different way to skin a cat, so to speak. And if it bugs you, ask the Holy Spirit why it bugs you. Because remember, we read at the beginning of that passage, it's about oneness. The church doesn't look like you. The church has got to look like Jesus. This church isn't to look like me, it's to look like Jesus. So we need one another because we all reflect a different aspect of Christ Jesus, which is why we need each other. So as we live and we move and we have our being, it's in Christ Jesus. And Lord, would you help us to be thankful? Would you help us to appreciate diversity in the body? And would you help us to grow up in Christ by the power of your spirit? Can we pray about that? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Father, we come to you humbly in Jesus' name. And we need you. Father, we're thankful for the gifts that you give to your church, those fivefold. We thank you that we are called to be equipped for the work of the ministry. And we thank you that your plan is for us to grow up. Lord, would you help us not just today be aware of this, but every day, every single day. May we go from strength to strength and glory to glory. And where there is immaturity, where there is selfishness, where there is greed, where there is idolatry, where there is jealousy, where there is malicious intent, where there is pride, where there is arrogance, where there is deception, Lord, Lord, help us repent of these things so that we may become more like Jesus by the power of His Spirit. We thank You so much for Your grace that is afforded to us, not just at salvation, but even in the process of sanctification, the process of becoming like Jesus. Lord, may we rely on Your grace every day to mature in Jesus' name. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.